Once again, everyone, welcome to our Tuesdays at 2 session. Looks like we've got a good bunch of people in the room. Really glad to have you. Thanks for joining us on this beautiful day. I know Eric's got lots to talk about, so I'm going to turn things over and he's going to walk us through it all. Eric, welcome. How are you doing? Hey, great, Kevin. Thanks. Uh, yeah, welcome to our uh, standing uh, every Tuesdays at 2 uh, contract education seminar. Uh, as usual, a fairly short slide deck. Uh, today's a little bit on the longer side. Usually I'm about 20 slides and I think I'm pushing into about 35. So hopefully that will allow for enough time at the end to do some Q&A on uh, filling of vacancies. Uh, do know that this is recorded. Um, it is a public forum. So expect that your uh, chief pilots are on and listening uh, and uh, everyone else, right? So um, if you need to vent it out, maybe call me afterwards, something like that. Probably a better forum for that. We do record these. Uh, the intention is to put up podcasts of these as well as uh, our other contract uh, education podcasts. Uh, you can find those at sca.elpa.org, uh, as well as, I believe, uh, you know, other media outlets, Spotify and uh, the like. So. Uh, please do not share, um, uh, record, repost, or otherwise summarize uh, this um, this presentation. It is all contextual, and, and it does matter how it's uh, presented. So, um, uh, if you uh, if you want to tune in, uh, do that through the podcast forum or uh, every Tuesdays at two while we're here. So, all right, moving on. Uh, today we're going to cover uh, filling a vacancy, so section twenty four. Uh, this is more of a, a primer, if you will, something for uh, uh, a new hire pilot to kind of understand how the system works at Sun Country. Um, we're going to cover the concepts of status, category, and position, so definitions out of Section 2. I will talk about the bid file, which is really just to say uh, how the preferences are categorized and capped and uh, changed and so forth, you know, whether you want to be a captain or FO, really simple. Permanent position bulletin, so there's a monthly bulletin that comes out every month, whether or not there is, uh, you know, vacancies available or reductions. Uh, we'll walk through the timelines of that, uh, as well as when you can participate. Talk a little bit about training freezes and how they affect uh, your ability to participate in those bulletins, as well as some of what the up grade uh, award requirements are. So uh, first thing we'll dig into, the status, uh, uh, status category and position uh, section two. So uh, just kind of looking at uh, the definitions here out of section two, uh, status means a pilot's seat designation as a captain or first officer. Category means the combination of a pilot's status and aircraft type, right? So um, which seat you're in, captain or FO, and then category is that seat plus the aircraft, right? And then we have another uh, term, position, which means a combination of a pilot's category and the domicile to which he is assigned pursuant to Section 24. So uh, three different things, right? A seat, the type of equipment, and then what domicile those are located in. It's a little bit simpler because we are uh, only have the one domicile, we only have the one aircraft, and then we just have the two seats, right? But this gets to be uh, fairly complicated when you run into, uh, you know, uh, growth scenarios. We have multiple different aircraft types, and 
say, uh, three seats with uh, flight engineers and um, a bunch of different planes and cities, right? So anyways, important to know the difference, status, category, position, right? And we can take a look here. In our contract, these are the aircraft that we have pay rates for, right? So 737, 767, A330, then captain or FO. So category covers both status. You get into the equipment and just the seat here with the status. And then the, you combine the domicile, right? And then we get into position. So um, this chart uh, that's up here is in the book. Uh, you can find it in uh, section 24A2. Uh, pretty helpful when you're trying to sort out what is status, category, and position. So the permanent bid file, or Section 24C, this is, um, again, how how we bid and uh, how we basically put on file our preferences, right? So you can uh, submit a preference listing. So a preference listing means a listing submitted in accordance with Section 24, stating a pilot's desired order of preferences. Each active pilot on the seniority list shall submit a preference listing for the permanent bid file. So inside of the permanent bid file, the permanent bid file is whatever your latest uh, preference listing is, and you can submit um, uh, in an ordered list what you want, right? So uh, if you want to be a captain, submit uh, for that. So if we look back here, right, we just look at what we have, 737, Captain FO, that's pretty simple, right? But if this gets a lot more complicated and there's a bunch more domiciles, basically you just put an ordered list together, right? So let's say that you wanted, you know, Detroit captain on an A330, and then after that, Boeing 737 first officer in Minneapolis, right? You can you can list those all in order and your uh, exercise your seniority in the bulletins as uh, appropriate, right? So it may list multiple choices, such as uh, Boeing 737 captain, MSP, Boeing 737 first officer, MSP. Like I said, if you have other domiciles, you might want to list those that are just in descending order, right? So when a pilot lists more than one permanent position, he shall list his first choice at the top of the list and remaining choices in descending order. Which one do you want first? Which one do you want second? Which one do you want third? Right? And you're, uh, you can exercise your seniority uh, to hold uh, whatever your position is. The underlying moral of the story here is you should put a permanent uh, a preference listing in into the permanent bid file uh, based on what you would like to be in. If you would like to be in a captain position, you should put that uh, preference in. Um, when your seniority can hold it, then uh, then it'll be executed. So, so in the permanent bid file, you can also um, submit a qualified bid, okay? This is a bit different than a lot of other systems out there. So a pilot may qualify his bid by indicating one of two desires. Uh, you may bid a permanent position with the qualifier that it be awarded to him only under the circumstances that there would be a certain number of pilots in the permanent position below him. For example, Boeing 737 Minneapolis captain with 10 below me, or you may indicate a percentage of permanent position uh, on the list, such as uh, Boeing 737 captain MSP in the upper 50%, okay? So either by headcount or by percentage, you can uh, put your your bid preference in place and you're not going to be awarded, say, a movement from a FO to a captain position until uh, you've reached a percentage or a headcount that you have designated, okay? The preference listing form shall contain a space to make such indication. Such indication will be applied only when awarding vacancies 
but not when awarding or assigning displacements, okay? So just your uh, your movement upwards, not when we're shrinking. So uh, if you need to put a qualified bid in, uh, you don't have to go through every month and, and count and figure out whether or not you're going to be the you know number 25 captain if you bid the captain position. Uh, you can just simply um, indicate that uh, in your preference bid uh, and put that on file in the permanent bid. So also know that you can change your preference anytime. You are not um, locked into something uh, any longer than uh, just simply the, um, the the latest email that you send, basically, right? So note that there's a bunch of different ways that you can uh, submit your bid, but uh, really uh, probably the easiest way, right, is by uh, email, uh, pilotpositionbid at suncountry.com. Notice in the language here, it's uh, this hasn't been updated in many, many, many years, right? By electronic message, should that method become available? Uh, just barely got email these days. So uh, you can submit via email, uh, pilotpositionbid at suncountry.com. So permanent position bulletins and awards. Uh, so when we get into 24D, uh, we get into kind of how the, the bulletins are posted and the timelines uh, for each um, uh, point uh, in time, the gates that that bulletin kind of goes through until it becomes an award. Okay, so uh, the bulletins are published on the 15th day of the month. And like I said, we publish every month. So every month on the 15th, you're going to see a bulletin come out. Uh, that bulletin will close on the last day of that month. And then um, it'll award not later than the 10th of the following month. Uh, generally, uh, crew planning uh, likes to uh, live on the edge and publish that on the 10th. Why they wait, who knows, but uh, they publish on the 10th. Uh, effective date is the first day of the second ensuing month. So just in kind of plain language, let's take a, a bulletin that was published on the 15th of August. It closes on the 31st of August. That's the last day of the month. It's awarded on the 10th of September and effective on the 1st of October. Uh, so takes quite a while, uh, 45 days or so, for each bulletin to become effective. Note that there's also a preliminary award that's published with that bulletin. This is a common, um, oh, I would say a common question, common error, uh, or a misunderstanding. And we really do need to pay attention to the preliminary award as uh, it forecasts whether or not you're going to be awarded, right? So when you see the bulletin come out, you may see that you were awarded a captain position on there. That is not actually awarded. It's just a forecast based on the uh, preferences that are in the bid file at the time that the uh, the bulletin is published, right? So simultaneously with a permanent position bulletin, the company shall publish a preliminary award which indicates the expected results of the bulletin award if closed based upon the permanent bid file at the time of the publication. And then uh, the preliminary award is published with the bulletin. Uh, the actual award itself is published on the 10th, okay? Uh, so things may change in between there, right? For example, let's say uh, I was awarded an upgrade on the preliminary award. However, when the award was published, I was not awarded a captain position. What happened, right? Uh, well, what happened is, is someone senior to you 
uh, may have changed their bid preference uh, from the time that the preliminary award was published. So you might not actually hold the position at the time of the award, right? Uh, you can be kind of right on that edge and a couple of people change how they want to bid. Maybe somebody pulls out of it and all of a sudden your name is on the final award too. So uh, just know that that preliminary award is kind of just a preview. Uh, it is not actually the award. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about training freezes. Uh, so there's a uh, kind of two different freezes, an 18-month and a 16-month or a six-month freeze. So 18-month and a six-month freeze. And um, I want to talk about when you occur each one and kind of how uh, how those play out a little bit, right? So uh, when do I incur an 18-month training freeze? All right. So when you're awarded a permanent position vacancy um, and you've begun initial training, you shall not be eligible for award to another permanent position outside of his current category uh, for a period of 18 months. And note, that's category, right? If we go back to the beginning and look at what category and statuses and uh, position, right? They're different things. So outside of his current category for a period of 18 months, one, the start of training, or two, the effective date of his permanent position, whichever is earlier. So when does the freeze start? That starts at the beginning of uh, training or the effective date. And when do you occur that uh, is... Um, having to do with being awarded a new position, right? Um, and then that freeze starts, runs for 18 months, based off of either the start of training or the effective date of the position. So when is a pilot released early from an 18-month training freeze? So displacement, right? So you're moving backwards out of the captain position into the FO position, and that's not by your preference, but uh, due to a decrease in the number of numbered positions, right? So Say the company is going to go from 100 captains to 50 captains. 50 people are going to get displaced in inverse seniority order back into an FO position. And uh, in that case, uh, there is no freeze, right? You're going to get released from that freeze. You're not going to stay in the captain position. Alternatively, you can get awarded a higher paying category, right? So uh, A330 uh, captain or even A330 FO if that FO position happens to pay higher than the 737 position. So here's a, just an example, right? I upgraded nine months ago, but I'm now being displaced to first officer. I thought I was frozen in the captain position, so how can I be downgraded, okay? So the freeze does not prevent the displacement due to a reduction in numbered positions. Also, uh, like I said, uh, a pilot senior to you uh, can only fill a vacancy, okay? So... This scenario, uh, basically what's happening is uh, you're not going to be displaced out of a position. So if you've been into a captain position, you're a bit it, you're awarded, you train for it, you're out flying the line, and then another vacancy opens up, you don't get displaced out of that captain position uh, just simply because someone is senior to you, okay? That senior person didn't bid on that award. They may bid on a subsequent award two months, three months, four months later down the line. And they bid into that vacant position. They don't displace you just because um, they're senior to you, okay? I've gotten both of these questions uh, fairly often. And, you know, we have a lot of people coming into the system that just haven't uh, worked for an airline before. And they don't uh, necessarily understand how these freezes apply and how they're, uh, 
you know, what they actually own in terms of an upgrade, right? So know that if you're awarded a captain position, uh, you're in that position. That's a numbered position. You're there. There may be vacancies that come out and they can be awarded to senior people, but they're not displacing you just because they're senior to you. And now also, do I incur a training freeze in the first officer position? No, uh, if you're displaced in this scenario, right? Uh, do I incur a, a training freeze in the first officer position? No, you don't because uh, you have been uh, displaced, right? Now, that changes a little bit. Let's say that you wanted to preference uh, down to an FO position. We'll come to that in a minute. So I upgraded nine months ago, but I can now hold an A330 captain position. Can I bid the position or am I frozen in the 737 Minneapolis captain position? So, uh, no, in this case, the freeze does not apply as the A330 is a, a position is a higher paying position. Okay, so um, if your seniority can hold the higher paying position, you're not frozen. Uh, even though the 18 months has not expired. Not a scenario that's playing out here right now. We don't have A330s, but nonetheless, it's uh, important to know how the system works, right? So uh, I upgraded nine months ago, but my schedule's gotten worse. When can I bid back to the 737 Minneapolis FO position? So uh, this one, this scenario is uh, actually very real, right? Um, your 18-month freeze is not expired, right? You're just you're nine months into your freeze, the earliest that you can downgrade would be 18 months from the start of training or the effective date of the bulletin, whichever is earlier, right? Um, then you, you may be awarded the lower uh, paying first officer position. So basically, when you commit to and uh, are awarded uh, a captain position, you're going to be there for 18 months um, just because uh, you've decided that uh, nine months later, boy, it's my schedule's gotten really bad. Um, you're still going to have to hang out for another nine months in order to bid out of the position into the FO position. So what about requalification training? Do I incur a training freeze? Uh, earlier we said no, right? Now, this is a little bit different, not an 18-month freeze, but a six-month freeze, right? So pilot who's been awarded a permanent position vacancy for which he has begun requalification training shall not be eligible for an award to any other permanent position outside of his current category for a period of six months uh, from the one, the start of training, or two, the effective date of the permanent position, which is ever is earlier. So the triggers to start the freeze are the same as the 18-month freeze. Uh, just know that it's a shorter time period with uh, requalification training. Now, there's some other stuff we need to know about, right? Do you incur a freeze if you've been displaced and you're requalifying again no you don't uh, when you're requalifying as an fo from a captain position you're displaced right um so uh requalification training uh such as uh you know satisfaction of a recency of experience requirements or completion of recurrent ground training and proficiency check route qualification those are types of requalification training but if the training is just solely that kind of training to requalify, then you don't incur the six-month freeze. Note that this is tied to category, right? So such freeze shall not prevent a pilot from being from bidding and being awarded a higher-paying category. Note that uh, if you're requalifying, this all has to do with when you move back into an FO position, you're frozen in that, that position uh, when you bid out of your own preference for six months, okay? So you can't bounce back and forth. 
uh, and note that it's tied to the category, but you can be awarded outside of that category, right? So if you want to go to uh, an A330 FO, uh, that is higher paying and not in the category, right? So if I'm a junior uh, 730 MSP captain and I choose to downgrade to a 737 Minneapolis first officer position, I was previously trained for a while, will I incur a training freeze? Yes, six months, that's the requalification training that does incur the six-month uh, freeze, right? When can you upgrade again? Uh, six months. Why the MSP 737 captain position is a higher-paying position, and uh, what if I want to bid to a different category following downgrade, say the MSP A330 captain, that you can do a different category, right? So this one... I alluded to a little bit earlier, and uh, this is kind of why it's important to make sure you take a look at that preliminary award. So I was awarded uh, an upgrade on the award. However, I do not want the award, right? Uh, how do I get out of the awarded position? So the preliminary award uh, allows you to determine if you want that position and to change your preferences accordingly, right? Uh, between the time that the preliminary award is published with the bulletin and the actual award is published. The company can require you to continue in the awarded position, okay? This has happened with some regularity. Uh, I would say one or two a year where someone gets caught and goes, oh, man, I didn't really want that, right? The company has worked with us in the past on a one-off basis to, uh, you know, help people out of that situation, uh, but that has not always been the case. Just know contractually that uh, they could require uh, a pilot who was awarded to continue in the position. Um, so then you would incur the 18-month freeze upon the effective date of the start of training. So uh, moral of the story, right, be sure to check the preliminary award. And I want to talk a little bit about upgrade requirements. Note that we did uh, finish an LOA uh, late last week, I think Friday afternoon, which modified some of these requirements for a temporary one-time basis for this award to have an extended uh, supplemental bid window. Okay, so I have gotten quite a few questions uh, over the last couple months uh, on what the actual upgrade requirements are. Uh, and note here that I'm just talking about uh, contractual requirements. So there may be, uh, you know, FAA or FOM requirements that are in excess of these, but these are the contractual requirements, okay? So uh, seniority notwithstanding, a pilot shall not be awarded a captain position involving initial captain upgrade training if the pilot does not possess an ATP written, 2,500 hours uh, total pilot hours, right? So 2,500 total time, and 500 hours as a first officer uh, with the company, right? So 500 is on country. Now, the company does have the ability uh, under 24D9 to reduce those conditions, okay? So um, these numbers that you see here are not hard and fast uh, minimums. The company does have the ability to, to change these, reduce these, okay? So Company may reduce any of the conditions in paragraph D8 above, provided it does so in a non-discriminatory fashion. D8 includes both the freezes and these hour requirements that uh, are on this previous screen here. So, uh, so as long as it's not in a discriminatory fashion, right? They can't say um, 
just some narrow aspect of this uh, can be decreased. They have to do it across the pilot group, right? So the company doesn't, and there's a qualifier here, right? The company does not need to reduce the conditions in paragraph D8 above in a uniform manner, okay? So it can reduce for upgrades on the 737, but elect to not reduce for A330 upgrades in the same vacancy bed. And this language is new to the TA uh, from December. Uh, this paragraph used to read a little bit differently, basically not allowing reduction, but in fact, complete waiving to zero, nothing in between. So now there's reduction language, and it takes care of uh, the scenario of, you know, 737, A330, 767, all being on property. So not in a uniform manner, but not in a, they can, uh, if they do reduce the numbers, it has to be in a non-discriminatory fashion. So can't kind of pick and choose which captains you'll reduce and who you won't, right? So following their one-year anniversary, this is an additional requirement, okay, to participate in the bid. Following their one-year anniversary, a pilot may bid and be awarded a position on any position bulletin. So why a one-year requirement? Uh, because the pilot is off probation after a year. Uh, so prior to being subject to a Jeopardy training event, your probation ends, and then at that point, uh, you participate in a, you know, in a Jeopardy event and upgrade, right? So kind of walk through what that one year looks like. So following the one-year anniversary, they may bid on and be awarded a position on a position bulletin. If you take a pilot with a 9-721 data hire, that pilot can participate in a bulletin that was published on 9-15-2022, closes uh, 9-30-22. This is an important part because it closes on 9-30, 9-7 was the date of hire. So uh, their anniversary of 9-8, right, which is the day following the, the anniversary, clearly the closing is after 9-30s. They can participate in this award uh, and, and be awarded before it closes, right? So uh, then after the award closes, you have 10 days for the company to process the award. Uh, and then uh, finally, there's an effective date where the pay changes on, on November 1st. So uh, that's kind of the timeline, a uh, fairly realistic timeline uh, for someone who was hired uh, a year ago. Um, and indeed, the, the September class uh, started on uh, the 7th, to the 7th of September last year. So this would be uh, kind of that timeline, okay? What changed in the supplemental extended bid LOA? I just want to clarify for the group here what, what actually happened, right? There was no reduction of the 2,500 hours, the 500 hours first officer flight time with the company, or, so it's kind of an either-or, so either 500 hours first officer flight time with the company or 500 hours time and types. So, uh, so either in a 737NG or a MAX, so not uh, old steam gauge uh, 737s, but something similar to what we fly. And note that the in that letter as well, the probationary year ends with the award. Uh, so that pilot who was able to hold a position, captain position, due to uh, having 500 hours in a 737, their probationary year ends with the award, and so they're not on a jeopardy uh, in a jeopardy event on probation. Okay. So uh, with that, next Tuesday we'll cover a first out, last out, uh, follow preferences, um, longevity, and seniority because there is a difference, and these are becoming, oh, let's say, a hot topic in the regional industry. 
And um, it's how uh, some of the regional airlines are now attracting pilots through offering them longevity matches, uh, say up to 10 years uh, or so uh, for service anywhere, right? Uh, so you can go right into 10-year pay, and then seniority kind of has more to do with what you bid and what your, what your bidding power is. Also want to talk about pay charts. Um, like I said, a lot of the people coming in to the company um, haven't worked for an airline before. And we do cover this in kind of the new hire conversation. Uh, but, you know, that's uh, fire hose time and everyone's a little bit uh, uh, overwhelmed, I think. So I just want to cover how the pay charts work, right? The just very simple notions that you don't start over back at year one when you move into the left seat. Um, and then, uh, talk a little bit about crew allowance reports. Uh, I don't know that the, there is a decoder ring for the crew allowance reports. Uh, they're simply very poor, uh, and they're poor because they're part of a very poor IT system in eCrew, uh, and Ames, right? Um, there is, uh, another program still on the horizon with IT improvements to come. Uh, but that, uh, uh boy, um, that's over a year now that we've bought that program and it's been sitting on the shelf on unused. So no payroll program is basically what it comes down to and asking way too much of the Ames eCrew uh, program to have a meaningful crew allowance report. All right. So um, let's do some Q and a answer what I can answer on uh, the vacancies uh, questions. I know, you know, Kevin and, and Zillin are both here and they're pretty well versed in this, especially coming out of our, Portland issues three years ago. Uh, so to what degree we can keep the topics on the filling of vacancies would be helpful just to reinforce uh, the slide deck for anyone who's uh, uh, wondering about how some of this works. Happy to answer any questions you have, but uh, to what degree you can stay on, uh, stay on the topic of um, filling of vacancies would be helpful. Uh, please don't talk over other people and we'll use the, uh, the raise hand function. If you are on the phone, it's star six to unmute, and we'll call on you as uh, as we see the line open up. Uh, with that, I see uh, James Greenfield. You got your hand up. Uh, go ahead. You have the floor. Hey, Eric and everyone. Uh, Jim Greenfield. First of all, as always, and um, can't be said enough, uh, eternally grateful for all the work you guys do. It, it's pretty amazing. Um, I'm not going to ask this question. It may come off as uh, – well, the wrong way, but I, I just want you, you all to know that I'm um, very happy and, and thankful for all the work you guys have done in my short time that I'm, I've been at the company. It's been leaps and bounds improvements, and it's largely because of y'all's work. So thank you. Yeah, and go ahead. You, you can ask the tough questions. It's all good. All right. So this supplemental bid I'm, I'm, might be a little, um, I don't know, pessimistic about why it's happening i if you could could you just expand about the timing of it i mean why did they do something out of cycle early as opposed to just waiting for the typical monthly process i mean what yeah it, it, it um, seems different it, what it comes down to is that without putting people in class uh starting in october we won't meet the staffing needs for March, okay? It kind of looks out that far in advance. And uh, when you look at 
who is eligible to upgrade has the times and or the desire, right? The amount of people who would actually mathematically qualify to upgrade, uh, say, even over the next three months, uh, wouldn't get them, uh, get the company uh, close to the staffing needs that are required to fly the March schedule. Uh, the downside of that being, you know, Q2 of 23, March is when we make our money uh, and has been for some time. We didn't fly uh, any uh, NCAA flying this year, which is unheard of in this company's history and, uh, you know, has a lot to do, not everything, but has a lot to do with the Q2 performance where we saw uh, the company lose $4 million, right? Uh, so it's a way of putting uh, essentially what it, what they actually net is two experienced people, right, with um, greater than 11, 12,000 hours and 6,000 hours and 737s. Uh, they'll net two people that way. They'll net two people who would have been on the November bulletin and there only would have been two people eligible uh, for upgrade in November. Of course, someone could change the preference bid. I mean, there's many, many, many FOs who haven't expressed an interest in upgrading. Um, but out of all of the people who have expressed an interest, uh, they would net a total of four and fill a class of 10 for October. Does that kind of give you some insight on maybe the whys and reasons how and what's going on with that extended supplemental bid? Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate those words. I just, you know, on page two of that very short supplemental uh, position bulletin or whatever, uh, the, the first like sentence had a lot of, um, I don't know, corporal speak in it. And I, I don't it just seemed like I haven't heard what a secondary displacement is. What What is that? What are they talking oh, about? Oh, secondary displacement is um, uh, you really don't see that in this company because a secondary displacement is going to happen when you have, um, say, multiple different aircraft and multiple different uh, positions across different domiciles. Okay. So someone out of, say, a Detroit captain position uh, bids into uh, a Minneapolis captain position. At the same time, there's other bidders, right? And that secondary vacancy, say the Detroit captain position was completely full, right? But someone leaves that position to bid out into that Minneapolis position. Now there's a Detroit captain position open that wasn't published or open on that bulletin, and that's a secondary vacancy. It's a vacancy caused by the bulletin, the movement of the bulletin itself. So uh, you might have a preference bid in for uh, that Detroit captain position that was never published on the bulletin, and now because it's open, you may get awarded that position, right? That's kind of what a, a secondary vacancy is in kind of light form. You're yeah, not... This is zone that where this really came in here at Sun Country because we've been types in three different seats. It's kind of it, it would be very difficult under the scenario with one aircraft type and two seats that you wouldn't kind of see it coming. 
Yeah, that's right. Uh, with a with a flight engineer position, you could end up with uh, secondary vacancies. With just the captain and FO position, just on the seven thirty seven and just in Minneapolis, I can't think of a scenario that would result in a secondary vacancy. Okay, thank you. Yeah, just to kind of circle back to the you know, the second page of the the extended supplemental uh, bid. Um, kind of what were you pointing at there? What was the concern? Well. I, I'm not going to mention names, but I flew with the senior captain this morning, and he had a different take on it. And I, I accept your answer, and I'd rather not go deeper. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a there's a couple of scenarios I can think of where it could potentially happen. Is if you had a bunch of captains that bid back to FO, you had captains that you know decided they wanted to bid back. Those would be openings that could happen based on the movement. Yeah, that's um, true. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that that could potentially happen, or if you had a bunch of uh, captains that resigned and left, or I shouldn't say a bunch, but you know, one or two or three, whatever the number is, it, it only takes one person to create a vacancy, or you know, that's really the only scenario where it could happen is if you had uh, people bid back to uh that weren't frozen, and you had or had guys just resign and leave the company. Those are how your vacancies would be created. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that that would qualify as a secondary vacancy if they resigned. Um, well, it creates the it creates the more vacancies than what were published. Yeah, that that might have to wait to the next bulletin. Yeah, it, it would depend on what date they resigned. In, no. uh, but yeah, potentially yes. Yeah, the secondary vacancies are essentially vacancies caused by the movement in the bulletin itself. Um, in a nutshell. All right. Anyone? Yep, yep. Anyone else? Uh, questions, comments? All right. Kind of a quiet crowd on the, uh, the filling of vacancies. Yeah. Know that just contextually, the part in the slide deck right where we're talking about this one-year requirement, the company has gotten itself into a bit of a pinch here. Right. This stuff. Twenty-four D four. So when they do their staffing models, they really look at the amount of, you know, airframes they have and how many captain upgrades they're going to have. And then they forecast what they're going to do to fill the FO seats, right? There's not the amount of foresight going into uh, the number of captains, uh, that are being made each year, right? So what happens is a year ago, right, we were hiring very small amounts, right? This is all pre-TA before we got the contract done. They just simply weren't attracting and retaining, right? And the amount of uh, pilots going through training, say, from June, July through the end of the year, through December, uh, very small classes, right? So not looking at, you know, every new hire that comes through the door is a captain eligible in a year's time, right? And they really need to be looking at staffing the left seat. What is your projected need a year from now and hiring FOs to that, right? That includes attrition, uh, so on and so forth. Otherwise, this company just flatly is not going to have captains to grow. 
Uh, and that's kind of the pinch that they find themselves in is they just don't have uh, eligible captains. They haven't made enough people with either the time requirements or the one year experience requirements to move into the left seat uh, because they were hiring in very, very small numbers a year ago. Likewise, you know, the industry forces with, um, you know, what we're seeing in the regionals, uh, wages north of $220 an hour, uh, as well as the, you know, hiring, say, at just uh, United alone at 200 a month and a CEO there, uh, you know, looking for 400 a month. Um, those numbers are, are pretty astonishing. And so to not be hiring with the expectation that attrition might be higher than four or eight pilots a month is going to leave us in a in a position maybe a year from now where we don't have uh, enough mathematically eligible people. They just don't meet the requirements to upgrade, which makes it very difficult for this uh, for this company to grow. And along with that, you know, the the experience level that it actually takes to fly the line here is pretty high. Um, it is not, you know, simple hub and spoke flying. Uh, you don't have all of the support that you do in a normal hub and spoke airline, say when you're flying for American or Delta, right? Uh, when you end up in Laramie, Wyoming at 2 a.m., uh, it's largely up to uh, the crew to make it through that. And uh, upgrade here is just, you know, it's a little more complicated and a little more difficult. Uh, with that, you know, the experience requirement is uh, is very necessary. So better if they start to look to solve and resolve uh, those attrition problems, uh, either through incentivizing people to stay here or just simply fixing the schedules, right? Uh, fixing the schedules so that the schedules here look similar to what you might see on a narrow body at, say, uh, um, Spirit Frontier, 737 at United or Delta, um, is how you're going to uh, stem attrition, right? You can win on quality of life, uh, and that's that's pretty important. But when the quality of life is is poor uh, and the schedules remain bad, uh, of course, it's difficult to find people willing to move into the left seat and make their their quality of life worse. Anyways, um, anyone else questions, comments? All right. Uh, not seeing any, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the call here. Um, thanks for dialing in and, uh, um, I guess taking the time to understand how the system works and, um, uh, please, uh, do what you can to share the, the knowledge you learn here with, uh, with other new hires out on the line, help them understand how the bid system works in some country. Uh, much appreciated. Thanks everyone. Take care. Bye-bye.